what is making them procrastinate, like in my case, procrastination is something I've dealt with my whole life and will continue to deal with probably for the rest of my life because I procrastinate about different things. And you're right. Usually behind the procrastination is a negative belief. Welcome back, Magic Makers. Kelsey Foremost here, the host of Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health and entrepreneurship meet. Today, we are talking about a topic that I, unfortunately, am extremely familiar with, and that is procrastination. I got a pitch um, a month ago or so about these two women, Zoe and Sophia, who are the co-founders of Unoya Mindset. And what they do is they help people get through these unconscious limiting beliefs that, spoiler alert, we've all got them, helping people identify and then replace negative beliefs, limiting beliefs that we have under the surface in a way that's healthy and addresses kind of the truth that procrastination is going to happen. It's something that we're going to deal with at every stage in our lives and every stage of our business. And so we really want to give ourselves tools to A, have some compassion for ourselves when this happens, because it's going to happen. And also tools for overcoming that procrastination. How do we get honest about what is it that we're actually afraid of? Why are we holding ourselves back from doing this thing or going for this this thing? What is what are we in denial about? What are we wasting time on instead? Why are we so resistant to doing whatever this fill in the blank thing is that we're procrastinating about? So Zoe came on the podcast today and Zoe is a hypnotherapist and she really specializes in speaking about this unconscious mind. Um, And she's also just such a sweet, she's such a sweetheart. She's such a freaking sweetheart. I like adored her immediately. Uh, And her co-founder, Sophia, couldn't be on the podcast today because she's busy like having a baby. So (laughs) push girl, push Sophia. We're with you. You got this. We're sending you love. So um, if you, listener, are someone who struggles with procrastination, everyone, all of you, and you want some tools on how to start identifying the reasons behind why you might be procrastinating and giving yourself some compassion as well as a kick in the butt to get shit done, this is the conversation for you. Please, please welcome Zoe of Unoya Mindset to Find Your Magic. Welcome to Find Your Magic. Zoe, I am so excited for people to meet you, to hear about the amazing work you're doing at Unoya, which by the way, you guys, that's spelled E-U-N-O-I-A. Um, that'll, be, that'll be in the show notes, but I really want uh, people to be able to visualize it when I say it, Unoya. So Zoe, I'm going to let you start. Tell me about how you came to the work that you're doing how you partnered with Sophia and where what you're hoping to accomplish with you, Noya. Oh, beautiful question, um, Kelsey. Um, firstly, hello. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show and to speak to your listeners. <laughs> um, so how did it come about? So firstly, if we go back, Sophia and I are best friends. We went to school together. We met on the first day of year seven and we instantly became friends, which was amazing. Um, and then, you know, she went on her journey. I went on my journey. I was in completely different fields for the longest time. I was, you know, I was studying graphic design and working in insurance. Wow. So, so different to what I'm doing now, right? And then somehow insurance is one of those places where it's like a black hole, you know, you kind of get... Um, zoomed in you know there's so much opportunity in this space there's you know so many you know yeah just opportunities and jobs and and places to go there's always a place to kind of keep growing right so while I was studying and working there I kind of ended up getting stuck in that world in that finance insurance world because of the fact that I was good at it and I was growing in that space 
I found it then really hard because I hadn't done the self-work on myself back when I was like 18, 19, to be able to manage the, I guess, the rejection or the um, the attachment to my work, if that mm. makes like, it felt like I was my work, my work was me. If you didn't oh, like yeah. my work, <laughs> you were rejecting me or you didn't like me. And so it became a little bit, um, yeah, I, I was just kind of getting a bit overwhelmed by not having the self-confidence and the ability myself creatively to be able to stick to it. Mm. Plus there was a few things happening for me emotionally and it just felt too hard. Mm. So I kind of said, that's it. I, you know, I just kind of got stuck in the insurance world and kind of went down that path for a while. And in the midst of all of that, I was searching. It was like a constant search for me. And this has been, I feel like this search for purpose has been there since I was a kid. Like I knew as a kid, I needed to be firstly creative. Mm. And secondly, I needed to be helping people. Like there was this crazy drive in me. You're like, yes, I have true. a question about this because I also felt that way. There are right. so, there are journals full of embarrassing poetry from like age seven yeah. on of mine. It's ridiculous. And I, not only is it embarrassing poetry, it was written in a, in a special pen that I would dip in ink. I, it's so embarrassing, Zoe. I um, love that. <laughs> but okay. So cut to yeah. before, you know, we get into how you know, came about and your work with Sophia cut to, um, a few years ago in one of my many, I've had multiple come to Jesus moments as we call them, or like, you know, crying on the bathroom floor moments, whatever you want to call them. Big, big, dark night of the souls. One of the many, uh, a few years ago. And I started to search for a therapist and I found someone who specialized in working with highly sensitive people. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of that it's not a diagnosis per se but do you have you heard of highly sensitive people i've definitely heard of highly sensitive people yes would you consider yourself a highly sensitive person i find a lot of times people who felt that way as a child of like needing life to have meaning um, and searching for meaning often later on in life find their way to a highly sensitive person diagnosis (laughs) Uh, yes look definitely um in terms of the diagnosis stuff I try to stay away from that if that makes sense Mm, like it does you know like I feel like once we kind of give ourselves a label then it kind of puts us in that space Mm. and Mm. then it puts us in some way so I kind of try to stay away from any diagnoses Mm. you know like sure definitely can relate to yes elements (laughs) well that you raise a good point Zoe of there's a balance, right? Like sometimes yeah. seeing ourselves reflected back to us is really helpful. Absolutely. But then as you just said about attachment, right? Attaching to it as an identity and attaching to something in such a way where like you really limit yourself, then it becomes unhealthy. So it's a balance and it's everybody's different for sure. But I hear you on the label thing. Absolutely. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to start understanding yourself, right? Like because sometimes you're like, oh my God, yes, right? Like I get this, they see me, they understand me. Yeah. But you don't want to also limit to like that's my limit in when it comes to labels, right? Like that's the only way I can be and I can never kind of be any other way. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's just a fine line of, yes, that that's I can take bits of that, but I don't have to be all of that, if that makes mm. sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and and that's the thing like it was always there like this I would dream about it I will create these like elaborate kind of ways that I would go and you know help the world and being build self-sustaining villages and you know it's very much a give back like that was really important um but I didn't want to have to choose between one or the other like I didn't want to have to be like well I can be creative or I can be helping the world I wanted to find my ikigai or purpose in how I could do and so can you, can you tell listeners who aren't aware of what Ikigai is, what Ikigai is? Because I just learned about it and it's really freaking cool. Absolutely. So I've actually got it on my vision board here. <laughs> Yay. Um, where do I have it? There it is. I'm not going to bring it to you. I don't know if you use um, visuals only because then it could help, right? Yeah. Bring it on over. 
it's a beautiful it's it's a japanese um kind of what's the word i'm looking for um way of life i guess when it comes sure. to your purpose so i'm just going to bring it to the screen just in case mm. that I know there's people not on the screen and not here, but it basically talks about there's this four key things, right? You've got your mission, your passion, your vocation, and you've got your profession. Mm. And what you want to look at is what is it that you love? You know, what is it that really lights you up? What do you love? What are you passionate about? Then you want to look at, okay, well, what does the world need? Does the world need this thing that you love, right? Because if the world doesn't need it, then you can't really make it a vacation. You can't really make a living from it. Then you're looking at, well, can you be paid for this thing? So, you know, firstly, do you love it? Does the world need it? And can you be paid for it? And then you're also looking like, what are you good at? Are you good at this thing? Because you might love it, but you might not be very good at it, right? So when you can combine these four things, the Ikigai, basically, it's like you feel it in you. I don't know. I felt it when Mm. I found hypnotherapy, when I found RGT. For me, it was like, Oh my God, I have finally found my ikigai. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes. I do. it's like it's happened. And I don't know if you feel that now with what you're doing. That I you- do. And I, yes. And uh, it might change or it might adjust over time. And ikigai, what you're describing is just what I call my magic. Like the, the title of this podcast is Find Your Magic. It's that. Like, exactly. what is it that makes you come alive? that you want to make your purpose that you would love like god if i could just make money from doing this thing that i love to do that people are hungry for that would be amazing like that's the dream right it's your magic it's your special sauce it's the thing that makes you feel crackly it's the thing that clicks we're both for anybody listening we're both like wiggling our shoulders and smiling ear to ear because it's an irreplaceable feeling and the thing is it's like once you have felt it you can't unfeel it 100% you cannot you can't and that's the thing and I I agree with you completely that it evolves right like Mm doesn't have to stay the exact same mm-hmm. it can move and evolve as you evolve because we're not the same people we were a year ago you know and even for me everything's evolving as I'm growing mm-hmm. but the fundamentals I think of what I'm doing are the same and then I'm just building on top of that you know yeah. layering that yeah I um, love that that you feel that because it's like and it, it, that's what I was in search for if that makes sense from a Absolutely. young girl that there was this, you know, I didn't know what it was in the sense of, you know, in this word or in this way, but I knew that there was something. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time I disconnected from finding it. And it's like, am I ever going to find it? <laughs> you know, is it, yeah. is it possible? And I started kind of getting further and further away from myself, even though I knew that that's what I needed to do. I wasn't able to figure out how to do it. And there was a lot of that self-sabotage coming in the way, but also limiting beliefs that I can't do this thing. Or what is it that I want to do? What is it that people would pay me for? What is it that, you know, like you kind of end up getting it stuck in a loop of like, well, I don't know if this is, you know, am I capable as, you know, can I, can I get outside the norm? You know, can I start from scratch again? Can I do this again? Oh and man, you know, you're yeah. saying so many things in a row that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, the, can I start from scratch again? Hits yeah. me so deep like so deep because it takes so much bravery to even ask these questions right to even begin to look at this stuff takes so much bravery because it's scary it comes down like you said to that identity like the most primal parts of us identity survival external validation like external validation is no joke like we need it to survive as humans like we need a community we need a support system we are social creatures biologically so like anyone who's just like fuck everyone like do you like they're completely missing the fact that like having some sort of validation actually is important so yeah the courage to start over with not a lot of guidance. Yeah. Huge, huge. Massive, massive. And, you know, and what you're saying is right in the sense that, you know, we, we kind of need our tribe. We need to find those people. And what happens is when we are in a specific tribe, those people won't get it. You know, mm-hmm. like 
going from that world to the other world, you find a new tribe. So you'll find your validation from your new tribes and that will come. Does that make sense? It's not going to- It does. So what you're saying is your coworkers that you went to insurance happy hour with didn't come with you on the hypnotherapy journey. Definitely not. But I took a, like, kind of like a bypass before I went there. It's Mm. like, so I'll I'll tell you more about that. Yeah, say more. You know, but even like your family, even like your friends, like in the beginning, they're not going to get it, right? Like it might take them a little bit to see kind of proof of concept, maybe to Mm. see you succeed. Maybe they like just hear more about it because for them, it's a foreign thing, right? But for me, so what happened is I went from the insurance industry to going back to creative industry. So I went back and I was working in a small content studio, you know, producing and you know, being the account director. So it was a very much, it allowed me to kind of reconnect to my creativity. And then I started designing again and I was like, mm. oh, okay, starting to make me feel alive. This is starting to, I'm actually starting to feel like myself again because mm. I had lost myself entirely, you know, like I was functioning on paper, it was successful, but really internally I was like not happy, you know, not fulfilled because I wasn't helping people the way I wanted to and I wasn't being creative the way I wanted to. Yeah. So, this kind of gave me the stepping stone I felt to start to, okay, I'm taking down like, you know, that starting again, you know, you know, in a sure. way, because I'm coming from here in the insurance industry. I'm up here. I'm learning a certain amount and, you know, years of experience. And now it's like, bang, like I'm falling back to the ground, starting yeah. again. And my ego took such a big hit, like mm-hmm. in the sense you know, even though I knew it was right for me, even though I knew I was happier, I knew I was, you know, better off. I knew I was enjoying life more. Everything was a plus. Yeah. But my ego when it came to like my wealth and what I was earning felt like I'm taking a massive back step. Mm-hmm. And at the time I hadn't done the, the personal work to really just be fine with that, you know? Yeah. Like yes. it was like, you know, like I wasn't okay with it at the time. But I pushed through it because I knew that, Ideally, this is exactly what I needed to be doing. And it brought me fulfillment. Totally. And I think what an important gift to give Mm -hmm. just that. If you guys take nothing else from this, take this. Your ego will take that hit. No matter who you are, no matter what industry you're switching from, like expect it. And if you expect it, it's not as scary right? Because like now I've gone through a few metamorphoses, right? I've gone from caterpillar to butterfly to caterpillar to butterfly. Like I've done it a few times now and each time it gets a little less scary. And by the way, you guys, this is applicable with other areas of life beyond work, right? It could be relationships that no longer work for you and are not fulfilling and need to change. It could be, as you said, tribe, like your family system that is no longer working for you that you need to change. It could be, it could be anything. Um, and just knowing my ego is going to take a hit. And it, if I know that, that when it happens, I can be like, oh, 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 oh this is that thing that Zoe and Kelsey were talking about. This is my ego. This is me checking my bank balance over and over and trying to convince myself I don't have enough savings to actually do this. Like, got it. Cool. Going to let this, let me move through this. All will be well. Hello, ego, my old friend. Exactly. Spot on, Kelsey. (laughs) That is so important because that's why most people don't have these changes in life. They don't pursue it because they're too scared. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, because of this ego response, because of this, like, I don't know how to deal with this emotion that's coming up with me right now. But if you can work through that, as you said, it gets easier. And the second time when I went from working in the creative industry to doing hypnotherapy, I didn't feel that at all. Mm -hmm. I was completely at ease because I knew, firstly, this is exactly what I needed to be doing. And Mm -hmm. I went from, you know, I had built my way up there again. So it's like, and now I was going really from zero and yeah. starting at absolute no income, nothing at all, right? So it was like big, big difference. So the, the first jump wasn't even as big when I look at this jump, right? But right. new. And so for me, when the way it all started is, because I had some childhood trauma and some like adolescent trauma that I hadn't really dealt with on an unconscious level or an energetic level. I mm-hmm. dealt with it consciously understood it, I rationalized it, 
I got it on a conscious level. It made sense to me, you know. I, I you do, know, unfortunately. <laughs> I do get it, and it's like <laughs> such a common thing. Um, yeah. I call it like the curse of being a perfectionist too, where you try to win therapy, where you're yeah. like, I have made sense of this, and now I'm going to put it back in its box, and I'm not yeah. going to look at it ever again because we figured it out, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Um, and the truth is, you're not really figuring it out. You're just suppressing it and putting it into a thing that's taking up a lot of unconscious energy, right? Mm. It's taking up so much um, just, yeah, this energy behind the scenes that you don't even notice that you're carrying with you and it's affecting you in all areas of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So you might think, I've packed it, it's okay. But in reality, it's it's there. It's working its little, you know, kind of fire underneath you and you don't even know that you have this on because you've gotten so used to it that you're just living with it um and so what happened for me is when I was working in that space I it, something was still missing so I loved it I loved the people I was working with it was a great great way for me to start reconnecting back with myself and at one point I went and volunteered in Greece so at a refugee there's refugee camps in Greece, there's a lot of, you know, people that are displaced. And this was back in 2018. And it was so much, there was a lot more happening in Greece at the time. Mm -hmm. And I went for five weeks and volunteered on this beautiful little island in Greece called Hios with this incredible woman, Tula, who started this, you know, um, organization and literally working herself crazily because these people just kept coming, right? And she's like, I can't stop. I can't not do this. Yeah. And you know, beautiful volunteers come and help her year round to help, you know, we don't work at the camp, but we assist with things happening there. And at the time we had a language center, um, you know, and a warehouse and we kind of met them when they came on the, you know, when they kind of crossed over to give them a change of clothes and some food. And for me, when I was there, those five weeks, I felt more myself than I'd had ever felt in a long I'm I'm getting a through line. I'm getting a through line, right? It's paying attention to when you feel the most yourself. Exactly. And nobody can tell you whether you feel that. No, you just know, you know, and I've always had a fear of speaking, a fear of public speaking. It's huge in me. Mm. The day I landed like, oh, can you teach Greek? You know, and because I've got a Greek background and my Greek is like, pretty like maybe you you one level i reckon actually they probably speak better than i do you know <laughs> maybe like you know a, a four-year-old in terms of how <laughs> i can speak i don't know how some kids these days they speak like pretty adult like um but you know like i know how to speak greek i know how to you know read it my spelling isn't great but you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's better than people that serviceable know sure and I'm like, oh, you know, our Greek teacher can't come in. You know, is it okay if, you know, can you teach Greek? We need a Greek teacher. I'm like, sure. I just said it. I'm like shitting myself because I'm like, how the hell do do this? I've never taught anything in my life and let alone Greek. Like yeah. English maybe. Greek is like a whole nother level, right? Yeah. And I was feeling so, so nervous. But then when I got up there, you know, I was like, you know what? The purpose of it, the purpose of teaching these people who are in this new country, who don't know any words, who don't know, you know, how to get by in this country, to give them anything, Mm -hmm. even if they just enjoyed that hour, you know, away from the camp and just be in that classroom, you know, just to connect, just to talk, just to laugh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, so that was the kind of first time that I was like, you know what, I can, I can kind of do this. I can. I can speak in front of people when I have a purpose, when it's not, when I'm getting out of my ego and making it about me and what I'm doing in front of to help other people. Yeah. Right. That kind of like really opened my eyes to it's like, I actually can do this if I wanted to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had back to myself, Kelsey, that I'll never public speak. Like <laughs> I had really decided that very young isn't that so funny like as soon as we make a hard rule yeah usually the universe sends us all the reasons why we need to break it exactly and it's so funny because now it's like everything is like you've got to speak more you've got to get yeah, yeah. that's right that's right showing up on podcasts like this one 
Right. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that's right. Like there is no way I would have done this in the past. I would have got out of it. I was like, no, nah, Sophia, you do it. You know what I, mean? like, I know. And you're doing it without your partner in crime, Sophia, who is a new mom at this moment. And um, yeah, we, you know, we send her all of the well wishes, but look at you doing it on your own. Here we are. And that's the thing, like when you actually I guess, decide on something. When you decide things can be different, then everything opens up, mm -hmm. right? Whereas when you think, because I could have easily said, no, I'm not going to do it. But I kind of got out of my ego, got out of my way to say, no, I will do it. And then from there, I was committed to like, no, I cannot go backwards. I'm not going back to insurance. I'm not going back to other things. Like yeah. I've got to find a way of how I can help. I know it. You can't unknow it. Can't go back. Can't go back. And so when I got back, I started to to dive deeper into myself. So I started seeing a hypnotherapist. I started to really dive deep into the personal work. And from there, I remember making a joke on my first day with her, like, you know, oh, because she was a hypnotherapist, her brother's a hypnotherapist, her mum was a hypnotherapist. I was like, oh, by the end of it, I'm a hypnotherapist, right? <laughs> Joking, like never thinking of my wildest dreams that I will become a hypnotherapist. And I remember when she was taking me under and going through the process, I was like, my little voice in my head said, there is no way that you could do this. Mm. And that was a big part of why I was there because there was always this belief that I can't. Mm. So everything I would do, everything that, you know, I would really have to put so much energy into mm. overcoming that I can't. So I would still go follow it, but it just took so much energy from me, right? It was like so much this, like, you can't do this or why are you doing that or you shouldn't be doing this all of those things that I heard my whole life. Yeah. And it's like, I was giving that to myself as well. And it's like, but at the same time, there's this other part of me that was always like, no, go do it. You can do it. You want to do it. Make it happen. Like stop getting in your way. Mm. Right. So I was like, no, I'm going to continue pushing through. I'm going to continue doing things, even though, you know, the rest of the world don't understand or my family yeah. might not understand. And so by the end of that time with her, I was seeing her for eight weeks by the eighth week, I think by the, yeah, then the, as soon as I was done with working with her, I enrolled into RTT mm. and I was like, it changed. In two months, my whole life just went from you can't do anything and having negative self-talk and having not dealt with my traumas unconsciously. I had learned how to forgive myself. I'd learned how to believe in myself. I'd learned how to, um, you know, say yes to things that were a bit harder for me before. Mm -hmm. And I learned to enjoy the journey of it as opposed mm. to looking like it was hard, like this big mountain I had to overcome, like all of these things that are in my way, you know, like because years and years of stuff. And I'm like, you know, before it literally felt like a mountain, whereas now it was like, oh, I can kind of overcome this little hill and then I'll try this other little hill. And I started to enjoy the process of transforming my beliefs, transforming the way I felt about the things, you know, transforming um literally whatever I wanted to transform, I could transform it just by changing my perception of it and then working through it. And there's still stuff. I think the stuff will be ongoing because as we grow, as we have more success, as we develop, um, we're going to come across different challenges, right? Because our comfort is growing. Our, our, our you know, comfort uh, zone yeah. grows with us, right? right. But there's experience. That right? Mm -hmm. Yes comfort zone always has an edge right like because like for me now I want to do a TED talk one day but that TED talk right now is outside of my comfort zone right so and if I was to do it today it, I'd probably go and freak out but as I'm growing that's going to get closer and closer for me right and then one day that will be a comfort zone for me hmm. but I don't know maybe TED talks are never comfort because everyone seems to be shitting themselves before they start <laughs> No, I no, I love that. But okay, so you just brought up so many points that I want to dive into, but I would love to start with this idea of unconscious beliefs and unconscious mind, like because I think a lot of us, especially if we're creative entrepreneurs, we've already done a lot of conscious stuff. Yeah. And we don't even know what's underneath. And a lot of times and I'm speaking of my own experience now, but also the experience of other people who have shared this with me, that a lot of times these unconscious beliefs manifest as procrastination and self-sabotage. So 
after you started, after you learned about hypnotherapy and is it RTT? Rapid transformational therapy. Rapid transformational therapy. Thank you. Once you learned about that, um, maybe you can share with our listeners who maybe someone listening to this is thinking, oh God, this sounds really a little close for comfort, a little close to home. What might be a first step into uncovering some of these unconscious beliefs that we have? So firstly, it's important to identify them, right? Like if we don't know what they are, then they'll just run there. We just, we don't even realize, you know, we, we literally do not realize. So firstly, it's becoming aware of what that negative belief is and how that is affecting your thoughts, your emotions and your behaviors, right? So you really, awareness is the first step. You know, you can ask yourself, what negative self-talk am I engaging in? You know, what do I believe about myself and others? We've actually got um, a beautiful little like workbook that people can do. So I can give you a link to that. Um, oh, fantastic. That we- we'll put that in the show notes, everybody. Then what you want to do is you actually want to challenge that belief, right? Like so once you become aware of a belief, you want to be able to challenge it. Once you've identified that negative belief, it's like really challenge yourself by asking like, is this belief based on facts? or assumptions mm-hmm. and you'll find that most of the time it's assumptions <laughs> yeah. even when we think it's a fact it's really an assumption um most of the time because really everything's kind of our perception of that you know is this belief helpful or harmful because mm-hmm. so many of our beliefs have come to us because of maybe other people around us because of the way we grew up because of the society you know whatever it may be communities Sometimes it's just like this norm of what we believe, right? Um, And we want to challenge it. Like, is this actually serving me? If it is, great, keep it. If it's not serving you and it's limiting you in some way, then you want to really challenge that, you know? You don't want to keep that on. You want to look at it. Does it align with my values and goals? And I want you to look for evidence that supports or refutes the negative belief. So because not always has it been that way. You know, there might be times where you can find that you can do something that you thought maybe you couldn't do like for me i thought i couldn't speak in public and then here i am teaching greek you know to people that are displaced so there are times where you can actually prove to yourself oh wait that's not a fact it's not a fact that i can't speak it's not a fact that people don't want to listen to me it's not a fact that um you know i provide no value for instance Mm. so you really want to do that then you want to replace it right so you want to replace your negative belief with a positive one Right, because just having that negative belief there without transforming it is just going to stay there. So we want to transform it, reframe it into a positive and empowering belief. So, for example, if your negative belief is I'm not good enough, you can reframe this with, you know, I am good enough. Or I am worthy and capable of achieving my goals. Mm. And you want to repeat this belief, right? Because repetition is how the mind learns. So have it everywhere, make it your password, put it in post-it notes, put it everywhere in your light so that you can constantly be bombarded with this new belief. I would also say do the work internally because some of these beliefs need more work. So whether, and there's myriad ways, it's not just hypnotherapy or ICT, there are many, many ways, you know, kinesiology, EFT, there's so many different um, ways that you can transform beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I would say, seek help but if not these basic steps will actually help you to help to at least reduce the amount that you're hearing it right Mm -hmm. and you also want to take action so once you've kind of reframed it take action take small steps towards those goals you know to reinforce this new belief because if you if i say i am good at public speaking and i can do it and then i never actually do it it's not going to get me anywhere right like i have to put myself out there in these micro ways right like micro ways just little ways um, you know, start firstly with maybe two people, maybe, and then you can go to three, four, you know, just start putting yourself out there in microwaves, five minutes, one minute talking, you know, introduce yeah. yourself to a group. I literally hid on our top deck tour when I was 23 behind the bus because I was scared of speaking in public that I could not introduce myself to the bus. Like, I understand that. I understand that so deeply. And I love this idea of micro actions because i think so often the thing that holds us back from taking action is we're like well i'm not gonna have a ted talk right away right so how do i even public speak like we think 
oh, I, I want to get over my fear of public speaking. So all of a sudden I have to be Tony Robbins. No, like, <laughs> like it can be yeah. so small, like creating a story on Instagram that shows your face. So yeah. I love this idea of micro action. So after people identify the negative belief that's holding them back, that is potentially sabotaging them or what is making them procrastinate, like in my case, procrastination is something I've dealt with my whole life and will continue to deal with probably for the rest of my life because I procrastinate about different things. And you're right. Usually behind the procrastination is a negative belief. So the work never stops. Sorry about it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, we just have everything to procrastinate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, something I was procrastinating about recently was creating a membership. And I thought I had this negative belief of like, well, people come to me for copywriting. They don't, they don't want to come to me for business advice. Despite all this evidence I had that people wanted coaching for me or they wanted business advice from me, I was like, well, that's not what I do. I'm, I'm going to stay here in my little copywriting hole, comfort zone, and just talk about copy. And I really had to overcome that and take those micro steps of like starting to share things on social media that were about this new thing or asking people like, would this idea appeal to you and getting more and more tiny pieces of evidence. And then, you know, one month later, holy shit, I have a whole folder of ideas um, and evidence that people do want this and that I can do it. And funny enough, I'm already doing it. Often that happens. And so I just, I love this idea of the micro action. It's so, so powerful. Identifying and replacing negative beliefs and moving towards these small micro actions um, to prove to yourself that those beliefs are not true. Sure. And importantly, the last step is to have a practice of compassion, right? Because mm -hmm. if we're judging ourselves, if we're getting in our own way by making ourselves feel bad about these things, it's we're never going to get anywhere. So really yeah. practicing self-compassion as you're going through this and be patient with yourself, right? Because you're not going to be Tony Robbins overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we never are. Tony Robbins can be the only Tony Robbins. He's, he's exactly good. Right. <laughs> be what I'd say is you know get comfortable with being uncomfortable in this space because it is going to be very uncomfortable but practice self-compassion because it's so so important you know and I want to actually dive deeper into this procrastination because it's not only an like a, a negative self-belief but a lot of the procrastination we actually call them the false horsemen of inaction and there's four different um horsemen that you could say mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or things that could get in the way. And what we found with procrastination is that it's not a time management problem. It's an emotional regulation problem, right? So it's, oh. it's oh. boom. <laughs> I just feel like I got pierced through the heart. Can you repeat that for me, please, Zoe? I think I need to hear it again. And I'm sure someone else out there does. Ooh. Procrastination is not a time management problem. It is a Oh my God, emotional regulation problem, right? So it's us not being able to manage the emotions that are coming up in that moment. So we avoid it, right? So there's different ways that we can procrastinate and different reasons why we can procrastinate. And obviously fear of failure and perfectionism is one of them, right? We're fearing the failure. We're fearing that, um, you know, we're... Um, you know, people are not going to want to hear from us. We're fearing that people who are not good enough at it. We worry that we're not going to be perfect or good enough or our performance won't be good enough for it. So that's one space, like fear, fear of the actual thing that we're procrastinating around. The other is impulsivity. Mm. This is more fun. Doing this other thing right now is way more fun than sitting here creating my membership, right? Like, let's just say I don't find this fun. I find it really boring. So I'm going to go be impulsive and just enjoy my life, right? So we can have impulsivity getting in the way. The other thing is denial. Sometimes literally we can erase things from our mind. Like there might be a task that we have to do, you know, that's on our to-do list and we literally ignore it, kind of like it doesn't exist. And that's we distract. so true for me. Is That's right? so deeply true for me. And it there's a lot. I mean, I know I need to be like, have the self-compassion, but oh, there's shame there in admitting that. 
denial is a huge problem for me. It's massive, massive. And good on you for, you know, admitting that. And, you know, Kelsey, we all do it in yes. some way. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we all have it. You know, some people have it more than others, but we all have it. We're all denying somewhere, somewhere in our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out, okay, why is it that this thing makes me so uncomfortable? Because that's what it is. It's discomfort, right? It's sitting with that thing. What is it about this thing that's making me uncomfortable? What is it about? Why am I in denial about this task? Yeah. (laughs) What is it that I'm feeling when I'm doing this task, right? Because that's what it comes down at the end of the day. We're avoiding feeling something by replacing it by feeling something else. Yeah. And the last one is rebellion, (laughs) right? have to do this but I don't want to do this they tell me I have to post on social media every day and no stuff them <laughs> I'm, not gonna so funny. I'm forced to do this and you kind of fight back right like you know if, if anyone ever said to you you can't have that chocolate you want that chocolate even more right like totally something we have to do something there's this part of us that says no <laughs> stuff you I am not going to do it and it kind of like and fight it so that's what we found is very common but at the end of the day they all come back to emotional regulation they all come back to you um trying to avoid something that is not feeling good in the moment right and Mm -hmm. so and that discomfort the more we can get comfortable with that the more we can um sit with that the more we can say it's okay that I don't know how to do this or it's okay that I don't enjoy doing this but I'm going to learn how to enjoy it I'm going to learn how to make it in a way so that it can I can find a way to do it or maybe it's something that needs to be outsourced because you're wasting your time with it you know Mm. you've got to look at the tasks as well to think is this task something that I as a founder as a business owner need to be doing or is this Mm. something that I can actually pay someone a fraction of the cost to do it for me Oh my God. We got to talk about that. We got, I got to talk about this. This is exactly, I literally just posted to my stories about this today because there is a tipping point where the amount of time you're spending being upset about doing the thing, not doing the thing, having to learn how to do the thing becomes too much uh, value lost versus spending some money to hire someone for whom it is their zone of genius and they can get it done quickly. I just talked about this today. I hired a podcast editor today because I am not a podcast editor. And guess what I was doing, Zoe? I was procrastinating editing all of these podcast episodes. And I had like, I kept, I kept time blocking hilariously. I do this really funny thing where I block out time on my calendar and I say, it's like, okay, these two and a half hours are for editing podcasts. And all of a sudden I'm going to be this great podcast editor. Who's totally going to love doing this because I've blocked it on my calendar. Guess what happens? Every single week. Oh, I have this appointment that just happens to fall in that two hour time block or hmm, I need to book a recording session for a podcast during the editing time block. It's so ridiculous. It's so transparent. The denial was hilarious. And eventually I had a little meeting with myself and I was like, okay, exactly what you said. Why am I procrastinating about this? Because I don't like how I feel when I sit down to try to edit a podcast episode. It's really hard for me. Re-listening to a conversation I've already had, taking out the ums and ahs, the technology, all of it, it's too much. And it's not my actual job. It's not my job. And I was not only not doing it, but shaming myself for not doing it. And it was, the cost was way too high. And eventually I was like, Kelsey, you can afford, this is the budget you have. Find someone who can do it for this budget. Interview some people. And just, just give it, give it to them. Surrender control. Absolutely. I love that, Kelsey. And great awareness, right? Because there are certain things in our business that we as a founder need to learn how to do. And there's certain things in the business that we don't have to know how to do. And podcast editing is one of those things (laughs) we don't have to learn how to do, right? And I'm coming from a person it. And I'm going to die every time I did it. I was like, this is so boring. Yeah. And I would literally not enjoy it, you know, at yeah. all. So I 
feel your pain, Kelsey. I feel Thank your pain. you. Thank you. I feel very validated. <laughs> Absolutely. Like You're so right though. It was an emotional regulation problem because I had to get a handle on my shame. I had to get a handle on my perfectionism. I had to get a handle on my need to control um, the fear, the denial, all of it. And only when I could get there and just talk about it, could I get to a place of actually being able to take action? And it's slow. That's the other thing. That emotional regulation, it doesn't happen overnight. It's slow. <laughs> it is so slow. It takes a lot of, <laughs> lot of work. And and this is the thing, like as business owners, as founders, you have so many things that you have to do. You're not just doing one job. You're doing like 100 people's jobs, right? Like you're literally doing everything that there is. And you've got to really look at like, am I willing to invest my time here? Am I willing to invest? Because it's a lot of time, a lot of energy in you creating that podcast editing, right? And you sitting there and editing. It's a lot of time. And if it's not your strength and it's not something that you love doing, it's going to deplete you more and more, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to look at, am I willing to invest my time and energy or am I going to invest my capital here so that I can regain my time and energy doing something that I love doing, that something maybe I could record five times amounts of podcasts or I could be doing other things that are generating revenue in that time instead of wasting all of this time and energy, firstly procrastinating about it yeah. <laughs> and actually doing the thing. But the amount of energy it takes you, it's not just those two and a half hours if you ended up doing them, but there's like hours and hours of background like self-doubt and shame and fear and denial and all these things that are playing out in the background for you that as soon as you remove it, like tell me if this is true. Did you not feel so much more energized once you I can't it? even tell. I was so much lighter coming into this interview. I literally hired her right before I logged on to this meeting because- and I, you know, I interviewed, I think three people today, this morning and just making the decision and being like, this fits my budget. I, you know, the work that I've seen from this person is good. And I'm just going to trust my gut here and go. The relief, the relief that I felt was so palpable that part of me was like, God, almost shaming myself again. Like, why didn't I do this sooner? But like, I got to let that go too. And just be like, you made the right decision in the moment at the time that you were ready to make it. And I want everybody, and I want to share that decision-making process. I don't want to hide that that was happening behind the scenes. I want people to hear this and to understand that it doesn't matter how quote unquote together someone looks on social media or on the internet. We all deal with this, whether it's podcast editing or whether it's your finances whether it's um, content creation, what whatever it is, like there's something that you hate doing. <laughs> like if you're a business owner, there's something you hate doing more than the other things. If there's a way to offboard that thing to, as Zoe said, give you that energy back and that emotional bandwidth back, freaking do it. Just, just do it. <laughs> So there's different things in procrastinating things that you need to do because that's your magic and that's what you have to be giving into the world, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a different times of procrastinating things that you can afford to have someone else do for you, totally. right? And it's something that's not bringing you any joy or anything. Yeah. And it's getting very clear, you know, before you decide, is this something that I need to stop procrastinating on? Is, it, is this something I can delegate? Yeah. And if it's not, okay, now I have to learn how to manage my emotions around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if it's something that you can delegate, something that you can give to somebody else, do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get it off your list because, yeah, as you said, you just feel so much lighter, so much freer. You're coming in and now it's like, ah, oh, like I have energy again. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, mm -hmm. you've reinvested in yourself in a way. Yes. And that's priceless to me. I love that. Well, Zoe, we've come to the end of our chat together. I know I could be talking to you for hours and hours, but before we go, I would love for people to know about your mastermind and your scholarship. This is something really exciting that you told me about. So take it away. Tell the people how they can find you, how they can work with you, and in particular about this mastermind and the scholarship. Thanks, Kelsey. So you can find us at Yenoia Mindset. So E-U-N-O-I-A Mindset on Instagram. Um, and Facebook as well, um, or on our website, which is yourknowyourmindset.com.au. Now, our mastermind is for founders. It's for, you know, small business owners, 
who want to create impact in the world, who have that purpose-driven, you know, mindset, who who want to do more with their business than, you know, just make money. It's all about how can we create that ripple effect in the world. And it's for service-based business owners who are their product, right? Like, because so often, you know, we get stuck in these things, we get stuck in these ways, and all you need is somebody else to be like, hey, have you thought about delegating this or have you thought about this and have you thought about that? And you bounce ideas off each other, right? And you kind of allow yourself to kind of have people who you can workshop with as opposed to trying to work it all yourself. Yeah. And we, yeah, which I think is so important because as business owners, it can get very lonely, you know, it can get very um, isolating, right? So having a group of other business owners and having coaches and therapists that you can talk to, that you can work through this stuff with, you know, that can help you to learn how to emotionally regulate, that can help you create capacity and create clarity around what you're, what you're doing, you know, and, and help to, to build on your character. Cause that's the kind of things that we look at. We look at capacity, whether it's physical, emotional capacity, we look at clarity. So where do you actually want this business to go, you know, and looking at your values, looking at um, everything that forms part of the business itself, the mission, but then also looking at yourself as a person, right? The character, who are you? How, who are you developing into? Who? How are you growing? How are you evolving? And working through all of this self-sabotage, working on, um, you know, your beliefs, working on everything to help you be the business owner that you need to be, the person that you need to be in order to become the most fulfilled version of yourself, right? To, to kind of find your magic mm-hmm. um, and to be in that zone the best way that you can be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, throughout all of that is leadership and self-leadership, but also joy, you know, and playfulness. It's like, how can we really tap into that? Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, it's a beautiful mastermind of people who want to do good. So they're all incredible human beings. Um, and most importantly, we've got this scholarship that we offer for people who can't afford our services. So people maybe from a marginalized community who maybe have had some, you know, they've grown up in areas, maybe they've, they have been a refugee, maybe they're, you know, maybe have been incarcerated even, maybe they're um, come from a, a marginalized community where business and um, access to this knowledge and to these communities are not so readily available for them. And now they want to create something to change either their communities or change um, you know, the environment or some way or create that impact through their experiences in life, right? So we have these beautiful scholarships and offer for people in Australia who come from that background but who also want to create massive change in the world, mm. you know, in some way, whatever that way is for them. Love so, that. If, yeah, so if that sounds like you or someone like you know that would benefit from these sort of work and doing the inner work, you know, transforming the self-sabotage, transforming limiting beliefs, helping them with, you know, capacity, clarity, mm-hmm. then we would love to hear from you. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here, Zoe. And hi, Sophia, if you're listening to this. Sorry we missed you, but I hope you are soaking in new mama bliss. And for all of you who want any of this information, all of these links can be found in the show notes for this show. Thank you again, Zoe, for being on Find Your Magic. Elsie, I loved our conversation. Thank you so much. All right, y'all know I'm about to ask you to subscribe to Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. It truly helps podcasters pay their teams, find better guests, and give you good content. So if you want to hear more conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship, be sure to subscribe to Find Your Magic and leave us a review. Thanks for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.